Thank you. I, it, it's a privilege to um, I say this to uh, some of the fuse and fuel kids here and, and parents to be able to work with you, to be able to work with your kids. Uh, I can honestly say I've, I've never felt as fulfilled uh, in my life as I as I do in this last year uh, serving here and, and serving uh, our Savior by by working with the kids. And hey, what other job do I get to go to Six Flags and get paid for it? So, uh, uh, <clears throat> but you didn't hear that from me. So uh, that's a sidelight. Um, I do have to issue a public apology to the staff. You know, they put me first to set the bar low, and I came out wearing a suit. So, uh, you know, guys, I'm sorry for those of you who will have to dress up in, in uh, future weeks, but uh, I'll try to do better next time. Uh, I know it's the 4th of July weekend. You know, it's all about freedom, and I'm so grateful we live in a country uh, where we have freedom, uh, freedom to worship here, free things. You know, I like free things. As a kid, I loved free things, uh, especially those that came out of cereal boxes. You know, uh, I'm a lifelong Captain Crunchberries fan, uh, but often my choice of cereal was dictated by what cool toy was inside the box. And there, you know, there was a technique to get to it, you know, as an extra large helping on Saturday mornings. If you held the box just right, tap it a little bit, tap it, shake it a little bit, you see that corner of that cellophane bag full of instant toy goodness pop up, and you reach in there and pull it out. And I remember my favorite was this uh, was this plastic baking powder submarine, and you snapped it together, but there's a little compartment in there, and you stuffed it with baking powder. Then you'd put it in like a big jar or a tub of water, and it would dive, and then it would surface, and it would dive and surface. You know, I thought that was cool. Okay, uh, I, I still love free things. I get free songs on iTunes. Um, you know, there's free hot dogs and peanuts at the Chiefs games on Wednesday night. Um, I even got a, a thing in the mail the other day from Starbucks for a free for my birthday, a free drink, anything I want. So watch out. Free Java chip ch- uh, frappuccino with an extra shot of espresso. Here I come. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about freedom. Uh, free things are good. And the saying is that the best things in life are free. Well, the best thing in life is free. The very best thing in life is free. It's citizenship in God's kingdom. It's absolutely free to us. It costs us nothing. It's a free gift from God. The Bible makes that very clear. It costs us nothing. Ephesians says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's very clear. That the gift of God's kingdom, that citizenship in God's kingdom is absolutely free. There is no cost to us. The cost was paid when Jesus Christ died on the cross. We don't have to do anything but accept that free gift. 100% absolutely free. But I have to admit, there's a tension that goes along with that. Because you see... And if you've followed Christ for a long time, you've experienced this. But the fact is that though God's kingdom, though that membership in God's kingdom is absolutely 100% free, it will cost you dearly. It's a tension we have to live with, and you've seen it. It may have cost you friendships. It may have pushed you to the margins in your family because you're a follower of Christ. It may have cost you a promotion or even a job. There's heartache, there's pain, there's sacrifice that goes along with being a member of God's kingdom. Yes, it's an absolutely free gift to us, but it will cost us dearly. And the question we have to ask when all is said and done, is it worth it? Is it worth 
investing your life, becoming a member of this kingdom of God, when that's what we have to face? Is it worth to live with the pain of those strange relationships? Is it worth having to live with that struggling to make ends meet because you are passed over for a promotion because you're a follower of Christ? Is it worth it just having that life in general, how it gets in the way of serving God and sometimes can make it so difficult? Is it all worth it? Is this free gift of God's kingdom worth it if it's going to cost you so dearly? Jesus gives us an answer to that question. He anticipates that being asked. And he tells his disciples, and as we look this morning, ultimately us, the answer to that question. We're going to look at uh, teaching of Jesus this morning in in Matthew 13. I I know the uh, ushers have uh, Bibles. They're going to come forward. If, If you don't have a Bible this morning, if you need... Uh, if you can't look on somebody next to you or you've got yours or don't own one, uh, just raise your hand. And as they work on their, work their way back, they'll make sure that you get a Bible. Uh, those of you that do have them, go ahead. And, and Matthew chapter 13. And let me read this morning the Word of God. Matthew chapter 13. Beginning in verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes. They replied. So he said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as as old. Before we dive into the text this morning, there's a few things you need to know. A few things to kind of set up so you know what's going on here. Uh, The whole of, of Matthew chapter 13 is a series of parables that Jesus was teaching about life in God's kingdom, about what it's like being in God's kingdom. And so to understand this, we have two questions to ask, because I'm not going to assume anything this morning. We need to know, what is a parable? Because you might be sitting here for the first time and said, I've never heard that word. So we need to ask, what is a parable? And then what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, parables. Uh, Parables are everyday Real-life illustrations, uh, real-life happenings, just stories of of what was going on uh, that Jesus would use to illustrate kingdom truth. 
All right, some of them were short. They were more like a uh, simile or a metaphor, a simple comparison. And, and others were a bit longer. They revealed truth to his listeners. In some ways, similar to maybe some of our childhood uh, fables and fairy tales. Uh, they helped drive home a point. Uh, but these weren't fanciful things. These were just everyday life happenings about uh, fishing and farming and whatever else goes on. Jesus used these to reveal truth to his disciples, to his listeners. Some of them were very clear. They got right away. Uh, Some of them they didn't. Some Jesus had to explain. There was all kinds of them. The point is they revealed a truth about life in God's kingdom. And in Matthew, this series in in chapter 13, the series of parables, uh, almost all of them begin with the kingdom of heaven is like. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, there's books on the topic of what is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so try to condense that this morning into something you can remember. Uh, and, and as you encounter this, this term, this kingdom of heaven, uh, some of the other gospels talk about the kingdom of God, uh, God's kingdom, whatever you want to say. Uh, maybe this definition would help. The kingdom of heaven is God's reign as king, which restores life to all he intended it to be. The kingdom of heaven is referring to God's reign as king, which restores life to all he intended it to be. It's a renewing and a restoring of creation. You see, this earth we live in, that's not how God wanted it to be. That's not how he intended it to be. Uh, But because we sin, because we live uh, way back because Adam and Eve sinned, we live in a fallen world. And it needs to be restored and renewed. And God's in the process of doing that through his reign. And it began, this kingdom began, it was inaugurated, it was initiated when Jesus came to earth. Jesus set in motion this future glorious kingdom that one day we will experience. A kingdom without any of this stuff that gets in the way of serving God. Without any of this pain that's all in the future. But Jesus set that in motion. And if we could somehow ask Jesus, is the kingdom here? His answer would be, already, but not yet. Yes, it's here, but there's more to come. There's a great, glorious future, and you're just seeing the beginnings of it. You're just tasting a little bit. And when he comes back, we'll experience that final glorious kingdom that is promised to us in the Scriptures. But that's God's kingdom. So we're living in the kingdom now. When we become a follower of Christ, when we accept that free gift of salvation that Jesus provided on the cross, we become members of God's kingdom. And here Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's an answer to the question, was the kingdom of heaven worth it? Is it worth pouring my life into? Is it worth being a member? Is it worth all this I have to go through? Jesus tells two stories. First, he tells a story of a hired hand working in a field for a wealthy landowner. You can imagine it's late one afternoon. He's trying to get that field plowed, running out of time, and he's in a hurry, maybe a little careless. He's on the far edge of the field, and he's got to go around a big tree in the edge, and he gets in a little bit close, and, and clunk, he hits something that doesn't sound quite right. So he goes back and looks, and he sees part of a earthenware pot. It's a little curious. He gets down, brushes some more dirt off, uh, lifts out this clay pot. 
opens it up and inside there's this dried leather satchel. Uh, Peels that open and there are more gold coins than he's seen in his life, plus maybe a couple pouches of, of jewels. He's found a treasure. You're thinking, oh, come on. Well, you got to understand, there were no safe deposit boxes back in this time, okay? The only place to safely hide your money was to bury it. So often a wealthy landowner would bury their money, but what would happen is they might die. Maybe a uh, enemy army would sweep in. They'd be captured. They'd be killed. And that treasure was lost to human knowledge until maybe somebody stumbled upon it, which is exactly what we have here. So you can imagine this uh, hired hand thinking, I've, obviously my landowner doesn't know about this or he would have dug it up a long time ago. I, I've got to possess this. So he reburies it, covers it back up, makes it, tries to make it look like nothing ever happened there. And he goes home and begins to process and think, what can I do? You know, maybe it takes him weeks, months, even a year. But he begins to sell everything he owns Gets rid of any possessions he has, his house, his property. His family thinks he's got to be nuts. He's cashing out his IRAs because he needs the money and he goes and buys this field. But when he buys it, he now has something that was worth much more than he ever gave up. In the second story, imagine... A jewel merchant, a, a specifically a broker of pearls. He dealt in pearls, bought them, resold them for his profit. And then one day on a business trip, he's sitting down for dinner, and he's approached at the table by a middle-aged man who's got a little basket. The man says, I, I saw you in the marketplace today. I overheard that you were looking for pearls. You're buying pearls. Well, just last week I was diving in um, you know, the Persian Gulf, And I came across this. He opens the basket up. And there it was. The pearl this broker had been searching for all his life. And he knew he had to have it. So he too goes home and begins to liquidate all his assets, sell all the pearls and jewelry he owns, sell his house, anything he has to be able to purchase this one pearl that he recognizes is worth more than anything that he currently has. So what do these two stories have in common? Well, you know, there's some differences. They're similar in some ways, but quite different. There's One's about a treasure, uh, some gold coins. One's about a pearl. One's somebody just happened to stumble across it. The other is somebody searching for it. But put together, these two stories work together to give us the answer to the question, is God's kingdom worth it? Is God's kingdom worth it? And the answer is this. It's the first point on your outline. God's kingdom is worth giving your life to. God's kingdom is worth giving your life to. You can never overestimate the value of being a member of God's kingdom. Remember, it's free. It cannot be purchased. That's a lie of human religion to say that I can work For my salvation, I can work to get to heaven. I can work to be a part of God's kingdom. No, you cannot. You cannot purchase it. It is absolutely free. 
But as these stories, the treasure and the pearl were so valuable that it was worth giving up everything and anything to be a part of, to possess. God's kingdom is the same way. It's worth giving up everything for. It's worth giving up everything for. You know, we spent, uh, Pastor Tim has spent the last several weeks looking at how awesome God is. Do you think he's worth it? Do you think it's worth being a part of God's kingdom? It's worth giving your life to. You know, think of it. We often, here at Harvest, we talk about time, talent, and treasure. Think about that for a moment. God's kingdom is so valuable, it's worth giving your time to. It's worth getting up Oh, awfully early on a Sunday morning to come help set up. It's worth it. It's worth being a jungle gym on Wednesday nights for a couple hours to junior high boys. Right, Jason? (laughs) It's absolutely worth it. You know, it's worth getting up a couple extra hours early on a Saturday morning to go with the high schoolers, to go with Ignite down to the Southside Mission. And cook breakfast for the residents, the women and children who make their home there. Oh, you bet it's absolutely worth it. You know, it's worth it investing that time in teaching a kindergarten class, even when you know you're going to have to fight for the attention of the ladybug that happens to be walking across the floor. It's worth your time. God's kingdom is so valuable, it's worth your talents. It's worth putting your talents into We'll make this one simple this morning. I can ask you a question. Can you sow? What does this have to do with God's kingdom? Let me tell you, this Friday, there's a little sewing party. Sewing bee? I don't know. Sewing party. Going, I think it's this Friday. Is it this Friday? That uh, we need to, we've got a, a big VBS coming up. All about superheroes. We need to make some capes. Superheroes need capes. So there's a lot of cutting and sewing going on. And you're thinking, I have VBS kids... Saturday, it's going to be a nice, or Friday, it's going to be a nice day, boating, okay. It's worth using your talent to go sew for a few hours, to go cut for a few hours. It's absolutely worth it. Can you teach? Well, it's worth being over in that side of the building, teaching kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders, fourth graders, or down there, fifth and sixth graders, the truths of God's kingdom. It's worth whatever it takes To get that time during the week to study and prepare. God's kingdom is so valuable, it's worth giving your treasure to. If there's any one way you want to check whether you're really living out the truth of God's kingdom being worth giving your life to, take a look at your bank statement. What does it say about the value of God's kingdom? I mean, this is an area that's going to make or break you, the area of finances. You know, where's your money going? Take a look at it. Where's your money going? Is it going to help the needy? Maybe to uh, feed a starving child overseas or uh, help in rescue work here in the area? Or uh, is it going to that uh, Xfinity triple cast package? Where's your money going? Is it going to overseas missions? Is it going to help the needy widows of the church or is it tied up in uh, that new boat payment that new car payment you know as a church realize 
We're growing bigger. We're at some point, probably in the near future, going to get, you know, where the uh, embassy suites, the Ashland House, the Gateway Building, and the Regions Bank Building are no longer capable of containing us, uh, are not going to meet our needs. And we're going to have to look at some kind of a building project uh, or purchasing and renovating a building project. How important is God's kingdom to you? Is it worth it to invest in that project? God's kingdom is so valuable that it's worth investing your time, your talents, your treasures into. You know, I, I know you may not be convinced. You may be saying, okay, I, still not. You still don't have me. How do you really, really know that it's worth it? How do you really, really know that being a part of God's kingdom is worth it. I, I mean, you know, you don't see, um, you're not seeing the returns. You're investing your life and stuff. You're investing your time and, and nothing's happening. You know, you've poured your uh, life into, into sharing the gospel with your unbelieving parents. And, and you've just got off the phone for the umpteenth time with your dad and you're in tears. Because he just doesn't care. You know, you're seeing marriage, marriages break up around you in your small groups and the ones you lead and you're trying to help and they don't seem to get it. Uh, you've experienced heartache and pain in serving God. You have to ask, is it worth it? Uh, but there's another parable that Jesus tells us in here that I think will help. Verse 47, Matthew chapter 13, he says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake. And it caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. And this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, just a simple story, a common everyday occurrence. The disciples who he's talking to, many of them were fishermen. They would have understood this. A couple boats would go out. They'd have a very big net, which they'd stretch between them, be weighted down. And they'd drag it to shore. And as they dragged, as those boats went along, and the net went along, it would scoop up anything in its path. And they'd pull it into shore. And then they'd have to sit down and begin to sort out. See, they're looking for fish that they could go sell at the market. So... You know, ones that were too small, get rid of. Ones that were inedible, get rid of. You know, ones that were diseased, get rid of. That's how they sorted out their fish. They wanted the desirable ones. And God says His kingdom is like that because one day there will be a judgment. And one day there will be a separation between members of God's kingdom, those that have accepted that free gift, and those that are not a part of God's kingdom. God will sort out the citizens of the kingdom from those that aren't. And there is a horrific future that awaits those who are not part of God's kingdom. It's a horrific eternity separated from God in conscious physical punishment. I know it's not popular to talk about hell, but here it is. And that's the reality. One day God's going to come back. Jesus is going to come back. And there will be judgment. It should remind us that it's worth any cost to be a part of God's kingdom. 
It's worth accepting that free gift because our very futures are at stake. You know, being in God's kingdom, being a follower of Christ may cost you dearly, uh, but not near as much as not being in God's kingdom. You know, but this story can also offer us hope. It reminds us that there is a judgment coming. There will be vindication. The Bible teaches that elsewhere. Uh, but this is part of it. There will be a judgment in which all the bad stuff, all the sin that we deal with will be cast away, will be taken away. It will be a removal of all the stuff that makes serving God so difficult. So anything we pour into God's kingdom right now will someday come to the surface. All the bad stuff will be cast away. And this should also tell us that, remind us that there are billions, I'm throwing out a figure here, but billions of people who are not part of God's kingdom. And should Jesus return today, will be cast out and cast aside. Should make us think about what is our responsibility as members of God's kingdom. Oh yes, it's worth it to be a part of God's kingdom. It's worth giving your life to. Uh, You know, membership in God's kingdom, uh, it may cost you all that you claim is yours, but be assured that any sacrifice that you make will seem so small beside the treasure that awaits us. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot measure what is in store for those who belong to his kingdom. But what's next? What do I do with this? What do we do with this? Jesus is good at anticipating questions because he anticipated this one and he gave another answer. Uh, He tells the disciples another parable. Verse 51, he asked them, well, have you understood all these things? Referring to, have you understood what I've been teaching you about the kingdom? It's worth. And they say, yes, we've understood it. And then he says, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is probably, at least in my humble opinion, the most difficult parable to grasp and understand. Our English Bibles don't always help, and this may be one case where um, they haven't done the best of job. Uh, but the key phrase, you've seen that, says because, uh, about being instructed. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven, uh, the better, and i got to give props here to if, you, if you're using a New Living Translation or New American Standard, uh, that instructed, that's the same word for disciple, for discipleship. So a better translation would be being discipled. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become or who has been discipled about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so what does this mean? What is this saying? Think about that. Jesus was talking to... His disciples, they're the ones who had become disciples. They invested their lives in following and living and being around Jesus. Being a part of what he had to offer. 
So maybe a better phrasing would be, those of you who have become disciples, who have been discipled about the kingdom of heaven, those of you who have followed me are the teachers of the law. A teacher of the law is simply somebody who passes on, who teaches others about the kingdom of God, about the truths of the scriptures of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, specifically there, but us now, if you're a follower, if you become my disciple, you are now given the responsibility of the teacher of a law, of the law to teach others. And he says it's like someone who brings out of his, uh, owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. You know, when I walk through Target, I see lots of toys that I would like to, I mean, that Adam would like to play with. And I, I ask my wife, I have a hard time not buying something uh, for him because they're cool. But the cool thing then is when we go to my mom, she pulls out toys that, if you look on eBay, are now listed as vintage. And they're the toys that I had as a kid. So, you know, it's investing the new, giving him the cool new battery-powered stuff and then going into my mom's closet and pulling out the early 70s toys before they invented batteries, uh, you know, where they didn't make noise and you had to do all the work yourself. But and, and I get excited about giving him these and saying, oh, this daddy used to play with this as a kid. This is so cool. And that's kind of what the picture is here. A store owner going into his, his, his garage or his attic and bringing out this, this antique stuff that is so awesome he wants to share it with his neighbors and bringing out some new stuff, a flat screen TV he just got and wants to share that with the neighbors. And Jesus said, being a disciple, uh, you're a teacher of the law and it's like this. Well, the disciples would have understood the old stuff, that of the, the old things out of the warehouses being Old Testament truths. That about the kingdom of God, the, the promise, we see the first promise of God's glorious kingdom in the Old Testament. So it's bringing those out, plus bringing the new treasures out, the new things, the, what Jesus has just taught them about the beginning of the kingdom, that they can be a part of it, that it's a free gift. He wants them to pass it on to others. So simply put, what do we do with all this? God's kingdom Point number two, God's kingdom requires us to make disciples. God's kingdom requires us to make disciples. We should want to share the value of God's kingdom with others. That's why we teach the word here at Harvest. That's why one of our foundational things is preaching the word without apology. Go back into higher ground. And going to fuse, fuel, ignite, amplify men's ministry, women's ministry. Stick your head in any one of those, and Scripture is being taught without apology. It's about passing those kingdom truths on to the next generation of disciples. But what about you? What are you doing about it? You know, the most important thing in your life right now is how are you responding to God's kingdom? You know, some of you, i got to stop and back up here. Uh, Some of you may be on the outside looking in and, and, and aren't even a member yet. You may be hearing some of this for the first time this morning. Uh, Let me say, 
Don't be scared away by this because it's absolutely 100% worth it to be a part of God's kingdom. Make that step this morning to enter God's kingdom, uh, to believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins so you can be a member of God's kingdom. Uh, you know, again, Pastor Tim, myself, will be up here afterwards. Uh, if you have more questions about that, come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Tim. I'm going to walk you through some stuff. Uh, but make sure you're... Your first response is to be a member of God's kingdom. But for those of you who are already there, what are you doing to make disciples of others? What are you doing to make disciples of others? Are you serving? You serving in the church? You know, you have to ask, is it worth it? Uh, you might say, well, I don't have that kind of time. Let me ask you this. How valuable is God's kingdom to you? Is it worth potentially angering your kids to say, you know what? I'm going to have to not allow you to play baseball or softball this summer because it's going to keep us away from church every Sunday. And I really won't need to be in the back changing diapers in the one-year-old room so that their parents can come in here and sit and be part of the service and learn God's truth. Which is more worth it? Pleasing your kids? Making disciples? Is it worth it Saying no to that promotion at work that's going to ask of you 60 to 70 hours a week when you could invest those hours teaching in higher ground, helping out in junior high, senior high ministry, leading a small group. Yeah, you might have to sacrifice that oil-soaked beach house in Florida. Or the chalet in the Rockies that you could someday purchase with that extra money. But you're investing in God's kingdom. How valuable is God's kingdom for you? Are you serving? What about your finances? What do you need to do to make your finances reflect the value of God's kingdom? My guess is that if you're only giving 10%, you're selling God's kingdom short. We live in a very affluent society, even the poorest of us. What do you need to do to make your bank statement reflect the value of God's kingdom? How can you give more than you're giving now? Downsize? Sell your house. Move into a smaller one. Sell a car if you don't have to make payments on it. Give up a hobby, one that costs you time and money. Eat out less. I know you're saying I'm crazy. 
And I am, but not for these reasons, what I just said. But what's more valuable to you? God's kingdom or keeping up with the Joneses? We're planning a church, Denver, Colorado. You might be feeling the poke, the nudge to be part of that, but is it worth it? Is it worth going out there and giving up a good job here, not knowing if you get anything close out there? Is it worth leaving the safety and comfort of central Illinois? Of uprooting your family? Leaving family and friends behind? It's all about making disciples. God said, Jesus said, it's worth giving your life to. No sacrifice you can make is too small or is too great. It's worth giving your life to. It's worth making disciples. You know, you may be feeling God's nudge to become a missionary to a strange place with even stranger food. But with that comes some inherent risks. I mean, you might be at odds with your parents because they want you to take over the family business. You know, they might want you to continue on that, pursue that, that dream to become an athlete or a doctor or an engineer. But you're feeling God saying, I need to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. It could cost you your life. You wouldn't be the first missionary and you won't be the last if it does. Is it worth it? Jesus says, yes, it's absolutely worth it to give everything to be a part of this kingdom and to make disciples of others. Some of you teens in college, you might be feeling, maybe I should be going to Bible college and and preparing for some full-time vocational Christian service, some mission work. Uh, but on the other hand, you have waiting for you an academic or an athletic scholarship to a Big Ten university. And your parents are pushing you towards it. But Jesus says, anything you sacrifice for my kingdom is worth it. Anything you give up is going to be small compared to the treasures that await you. It's all about giving your life to God's kingdom. It's all about making disciples of others. When I was a little boy, um, probably eight or nine, uh, my dad uh, was uh, the director of the RHMA, which is here in Morton, the Rural Home Missionary Association. Uh, Goal uh, was to plant churches in rural America. Uh, So we had spent a significant portion of our summer uh, as a family traveling uh, to some of these churches that my dad had helped plant, that other missionaries had planted, uh, looking at spots for new ones. And anyway, one time we were, uh, this summer we were, uh, prior to being able to take some vacation time uh, in Colorado, we were out in Idaho at one of the churches there. 
uh, and we were there uh, for like a Sunday to Sunday, kind of a week-long, actually it was supposed to be Sunday through a, a Saturday, a uh, week-long VBS. Uh, they're having VBS, and we were a part of it. Uh, I attended it, and my dad and mom did some stuff, and uh, it was a great time in a small church. I had probably maybe 20 kids uh, in that VBS, and, uh, you know, they're coming from uh, all points in, in, this, in this rural town uh, of, of, I don't know how many people, probably less than, than just a, a, a less than a thousand um, but I distinctly remember on Wednesday night we were gathered together for a prayer meeting and one of the gentlemen in the church stood up and asked prayer uh, for prayer and uh, uh, he said that uh, his barley crop was uh, in fact the next Monday or Tuesday was going to be inspected and a contract signed for sale uh, but he had not yet uh, got it robed. Uh, and that simply means made it fit for sale, retain the integrity of the crop. It, it would involve pulling weeds, disease plants, uh, kind of cleaning out, uh, and then the, the payment would be based on the quality of the crop. Uh, and he hadn't yet done that, uh, and he was only a few days away. Uh, and it was certainly by his choice that it hadn't been done because this gentleman had given up valuable daylight hours of farming to be at that VBS to share the truth of the gospel with boys and girls in rural Idaho. And he certainly wasn't expecting anything other than prayer. He was willing to give up his livelihood, his crop. He was willing to sacrifice the income for that year to be a part of VBS for 20 kids. Because he understood the importance of passing on to others the truth of God's kingdom. Of making disciples of others. Of telling others about Jesus Christ. It was about to be gone in a heartbeat. It was a happy ending, though. God did provide... Uh, my dad and three older brothers uh, and uh, some men from the church, stay, uh, we stayed around. We uh, canceled a few days of vacations, and my dad and brothers uh, went out in the field and helped uh, get this crop up to speed where he could at least sell it uh, and, and make some money off of it. But I know, I don't even know the guy's name to this day, but I'll never forget him. But I know that he still would have given up that crop even if nobody would have helped. He would have sacrificed everything he had to invest in the lives of boys and girls to see the kingdom of God grow. Can you say that of yourselves? Do you think you could sacrifice your job to see the kingdom of God grow? Let's make it a little bit easier. Could you take those carefully saved up vacation days Give up going to wherever it is you go and use it to invest in something here at Harvest, staying around for VBS or whatever it is. It's a question of how valuable to you is God's kingdom? Could you make a huge sacrifice for God's kingdom? You know, true disciples, true followers of Jesus Christ are those who recognize that God's kingdom is so valuable that it's worth sacrificing whatever it takes to be its citizens and to make disciples of others and see it grow. 
I'm going to repeat that. Uh, and, you know, this isn't original to me. Uh, this came from Dr. Craig, Craig Blomberg, uh, professor at uh, Denver Seminary, and, and uh, written several books on, on parables, uh, interpreting and preaching them. But he says, uh, True disciples of Jesus Christ are those who recognize that God's kingdom is so valuable that it's worth sacrificing whatever it takes to be its citizens and to see it grow. Imagine this week if all of us would make a significant sacrifice for God's kingdom. That's 900 people. Okay, well, on a three-day weekend, what is there, you know, 750 of us. But 900 people strong in this area making a sacrifice, a significant sacrifice to see God's kingdom grow. What could it do to your families, city, to central Illinois? You know, one of the things you learn, I learned early on in, as preaching and teaching, that is, the more you study a passage, the more it studies you. And, and I was born on a Thursday. I was in church that Sunday. Accepted Christ when I was five years old. I can still count on my fingers the number of times I have not been in church on a Sunday morning. I'm a PK, preacher's kid. Went to Bible college, have a degree there. But to be honest, when I evaluate and I look around, I realize that most days I haven't given up all that much to be a part of God's kingdom. Oh, there's been some times, there's been some angst and some sacrifice. But I've played it safe a lot. Play it safe, it keeps the cost down. Keep the cost down, it's easy to say, yeah, God's kingdom is worth it. But as this passage has studied me, I realized it's got to change. I have to be willing to go all in for God's kingdom. He's asking me to do that, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice it is. I have to be willing to go all in. I'm willing. Are you?